Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, Tennis Bets is back. We're into round two of Roland Garros. Feels like this tournament's been going on a lot longer than that, but the squad of all-star degenerates slash experts are here. Zach Cohen, Pamela Maldonado, Kenny Ducey. Gang's all here. We're all accounted for. Lots to discuss. Zico, starting with you in the in the top right corner there. What's caught your eye early, whether it be an upset, uh, a favorite taking care of business, or just court conditions observations? What's caught your eye? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Mukova beat Sakari and then she went from plus 900 to win that quarter all the way down to like plus 300. She's kind of like an overwhelming favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the, at the, that portion, I mean, Pagula is still there, uh, right there at the same odds. But I do think that now it looks like Mukova is going to come out of that portion of the uh, bracket. It's a good point there, uh, Kenny, as we continue on with that. I mean, upsets on the women's side are not new. There's still the favorites there. We've seen some seats go down. We've also seen some seats go down where the odds makers have pretty much said it's not a traditional upset. Yeah, I think that, you know, we, we saw that round one with Maria Sakkari. Zico correctly pointed that out, that she might go down. And I, I do think uh, I, I was sort of looking for someone in that quarter, whether it was Sakkari or Carolina Garcia, to perhaps be the one to emerge. And it, uh, it turned out to be neither of them. They both lost inside the first two rounds. Uh, I will say that, uh, in terms of an odds makers upset, I wonder at what point we start to talk about Jess Bagula's real mm. trajectory here in this tournament and her real chances. And I, again, uh, was discussing this yesterday with this sort of big three we have forming in the women's game, right? At least for this tournament specifically, it seems like it's a three horse race. Um, the, the candidates, you know, the candidates, the up, the upsets, right? The underdogs here at this tournament, it, it felt like there were a few that perhaps had a chance. Pajikova struggling. It just, I feel like it's just one after another continues to go. Uh, and, at, and at what point do we just go with someone who's trustworthy, who's winning, uh, who's not making mistakes out there? Uh, because it has been a very wild draw so far, as, as we sort of expected. Do you like that number, 2,600 to win? No, I don't. But you no, know, here's not. the thing. I like I like Taylor Fritz. So why not Jess Pagula? And I'm serious. Like, it, well, you're not betting Jess Pagula because you're like you had this dream last night and you you saw Jess Pagula hoisting the trophy, right? Like that's not you're betting for hedge opportunities later down the road. And 2600, I still do feel as though there mm. might be some hedge opportunities. She could get far yeah. enough here to make that worth it. Uh, I don't love it. I loved her. What was she? I think before the tournament was she around plus five to one or three to one. It's a little short for me, but uh, something like that. Yeah, there might be a little value left there yet. So, so Pamela Maldonado, getting to uh, your observations early, what stood out in the grand scheme of things for you? Some upsets being on the right side or wrong side of history, maybe. 
Definitely the wrong side. Bad beats happen in sports betting, but to be the person who is on the wrong side kind of really sucks. I did take uh, Sebastian Baez to defeat Monfils, and of course, Monfils came back with an epic win. He had the crowd behind his back, hobbling on one leg. He was cramping down 4-0 in the fifth set, but I think it was more telling of Baez and his... um, lack of aggression he was playing a little bit timid there in the fifth set i don't know what happened with him he just got shook the crowd really got to him and up he's upset um wouldn't call it like a major upset because it's not like sebastian Baez is like the best player out there right now he's kind of been in off and on form all season but you got to root for monfis too at the same time because he's at the tail end of his career and you could tell that it really really meant to him a lot to win this match in his in his home crowd he hasn't won a match since he became a father he talked about it. So that's been my upset so far. <laughs> the one to, bet to, that I made in this tournament. To Pam's yeah. point, I do feel like what we've experienced, I think so far in this tournament and we've experienced it in the past is there is such a leap from being a winning machine on the challenger circuit and then stepping up to a grand slam. And I will even go back uh, to a Yannick Sinner just like three years ago. That guy could not buy a Grand Slam win in the first round. He he kept having bad draws. Like, I think he had to yeah. play Stan Vavrinka twice, if I'm not mistaken. It was tough. But uh-huh. I think because Carlos had the, the year that he had last year and because Holger Runa was able to break through at Roland Garros uh, after, I mean, just, I mean, suspiciously. It's, I mean, he, this guy was struggling so badly with his body and then just overcomes the cramping issues, decides, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the quarterfinal of a Grand Slam. And just it, the, the, the rise was meteoric. Yeah. It was quick. Um, I think we overlook, you look at a Luka Van Asha struggling today uh, against Alejandro Davidovich Vakina. There are a lot of players who, you know, are, are not used to best of five, but also not used to the elevated pressure. I think Baez is one of those guys like golden swing is ATP, right? But it, it, in ATP level tournament and a few of them, but it's not the same as stepping on, you know, stepping onto a big court role, stepping on a Chatrier, Roland Garros, you kidding me? Um, yeah. I still don't feel like, you know, I still feel like there's a lot of work to be done for some of these players trying to get back and, and yeah, get into the main main draws. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. And also in a sport like tennis, when you have the crowd against you, how players react to it. But people like Alcaraz and Holger are rare. It's more of, and we'll get to him later, but the Taylor Fritz model of you break into the top 50, you go through your growing pains. Ben Shelton's probably finding this out now. And then it takes time to really own your craft and get there. Uh, Zeke Cam Nori. Cam Nori is another one, although Cam Nori is a little spicy lately. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. All right, Zico, one other thing I want to get your take on with what's happened in the first round. How about this set? Over 32% of the men's first round matches went five sets. So we were going the distance early on the men's side. Yeah, and I was like looking at matches tomorrow, and I was trying to figure out my plays, and I kept thinking, you know, all the ones where I have a side, I can see them being kind of long battles. It's a little scary as a better. I mean, I was on the wrong side of JJ Wolf. I don't know if you guys also had the same thing, but these matches, these, these guys are fighting and getting to the end, and then it's anyone's game from there. We just be taking overs then? Is that what, like, Pam, do you think we should just be going overs as much as possible, especially when it's, you know, not, if it's too close to call, let's say? I mean, obviously, if it's somebody like Hubert or Catch who just, can serve every day but he has no idea how to return then yeah you're probably going to be taking overs because they're just going to be there's no breaks in there it's just that's the tie break and that's going to take the over there's a lot of these players it's just a really even playing field right now that's what it is it's and there hasn't been there. with i would say like out of 100 players right now 98 of them 
are on the same tier of tennis right now. <laughs> and that really just makes it, especially on clay like this, the weather conditions are kind of favoring a lot of the, it's just favoring a baseline game right now. And that's what we're going to get in the, in best of five clay. And a lot of, if you don't have that clear differentiation of a skill set between two players, yeah. the over could definitely be the play. There's not a lot of players right now that have momentum. I, Kenny, I, I will Kenny. say today yeah. there were nine, nine straight set matches and uh, six, I'm including Lorenzo Massetti who's about to win. And there were six that went uh, four or five sets. And also, I mean, a, a match like Arnaldi, Shapovalov, Shapovalov dominated that whole match. It really should have been a straight set win. And then also I thought the, uh, you looked down at the Carlos Alcaraz, Tyrell Daniel match. I'm not sure what the total was, but it could have been a four set under because it was 31 games. Um, it but was four set over. It was over. It, it, what was the total? What was it? 29 and a half games probably. 20, I'm assuming 28 and a half. 28. All right. Well, yeah. shout out to Tarl Daniel. Uh, I, I do think that I, 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 I disagree with the notion that we should just always take overs when it's a close match, because uh, I, I know that that is a popular strategy a lot of times, but um, it doesn't always work out like that. And like, again, it seems like we've, you know, the ones that we watch are the good matches. We watch the yeah. fun four set, five set matches, and we're not really noticing like, oh, well, there's just a lot of guys smoking guys earlier in the day. There were six, uh, right. six out of the first seven matches that finished, I believe. Right we straight set matches. So um, it, it, it's, it's always tough, right? The grass is always greener, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. There's, there's plenty of examples. They often a quarter today, which was a surprise to me. That match was actually pretty close odds wise. And uh, it, it went way under. So I don't know. I, I, yeah. And it's funny. Cause it's that four, four guys came back from two sets down. There's also a lot of the, uh, what would you say? It's like the Miami heat thing where they blew two sets to love, but then won the fifth set. So we saw that right. a lot in this tournament too. So what I'm regretting is DraftKings hung a bet before the, a novelty prop before the tournament. And I'm not, I'm curious what the number is now, but I, they set the over under on five set matches at 21 and a half. And mm. how many do we have already? We are, I mean, we had uh, two today. Before? Yeah, there was over, there was 21 in the first round. There it you was go. like 20, yeah. so it's, it's already yeah. cashed. Wow, already cashed it. Uh, well, let's talk those, about the big those markets, or I had a million dollars in my yeah. balance, I probably would have done that. So, Pam, what's your reaction to the number two seed going out, the stunner and the men's draw? And uh, I know you're not, you know, you're, you're ready to ride the Brazilian even further going forward, which we can get to. But Medvedev goes down. Uh, I'm going to blame Kenny a little bit because we started calling him Medvedev. It was all downhill from there. <laughs> all down, yeah. I'm not entirely surprised because I did a podcast with Gil Gross, who also works for the Tennis Channel, and he's the one who brought it to light of how much, how good of form he was coming into this. A lot of rhythm, a lot of reps, a really great clay season, though it was on the Challenger Tour. Um, but my, uh, he mentioned how good Wild was doing. How do you say his name first off? Let's correct that. Is it like Wild or is it Wild? Wild. 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 Okay. Say vile, vile. Uh, so vile, vile, vile. <laughs> um, yeah, he mentioned how good a form he was coming into, and I mentioned how the conditions of Roland Garros were not conducive to a Medvedev style of play, and now Rome was a lot more suited with the rain and the the rain and the cold, and this was warm and sunny. So it was not entirely surprising, but it is like I don't think either one of us expected the upset, but we did expect uh, competitiveness. I just wish that I tweeted it um, because I ended up taking it and just didn't tweet it because I was like, oh, we'll see what happens. But no, I mean, it was a good match. Um, I give all the credit to where it was due. It wasn't at all. I don't think it's a fluke situation. I think uh, Thiago played 
he is coming into this as a really solid clay court player and the conditions are very suitable to his game. He has such a powerful forehand and he was coming into the net often. That's not something that Medvedev knows how to handle clearly. Um, And he made Medvedev work for it and Medvedev was trying to make him work for it. And in the end, I mean, it was just great yeah. tennis all around yes. from start to finish. I'm glad you brought that up, Zico, because it was, there's levels to this, right? There's just complete chokes. There's, you know, un, uninspired play. This was an underdog going big and going home and getting the job done. So and for Medvedev, I know it stings to lose early, but this wasn't like he just mailed it in at all. No, I mean, he came back and took the lead. Like he played really good tennis in the third and fourth sets and still ended up losing. So, yeah, I wish it was the one. It's the type of thing where it's like, you know, you think you see it coming, but I didn't have it. So I had Medvedev, you know, 10 to one. And yeah. It's bad boss. <laughs> it, it was. I I definitely thought he played well. Like I was watching the. I was, shout out to Tennis Channel because they were replaying the match last night at one a.m. And shout out to the bar across the street. There was nothing, no sports on, so the the Tennis Channel was on, and I got to see a decent amount of that match. And my buddy next to me, who I was explaining that he was like, "How did this guy lose this match?" And I, I think what we see a lot of times when Medvedev plays is, look, he will take away. Like you can't go for wide margins. You have to go for very slim margins against him. You have to go for lines. You have to go for very aggressive. Uh, winners early in points. That's why, and Alcaraz says that better than anybody. That's why he has so much success success mm-hmm. against him. And to Pam's point, obviously bringing it into the net a lot, right? Changing that up, I think that is a good strategy to beat this guy. Kyrgios has done it as well. No one goes mm-hmm. for slim margins in Nick Kyrgios. So all that said, that's what Tiago did yesterday. I, I thought he, I thought he just absolutely took the racket out of Daniel Medvedev's hand. I thought Daniel Medvedev played a really good match. So it was hard to say that we saw this coming. We could have seen a good competitive match, but. Medvedev played his game. Medvedev played the same game that won him the Italian Open, uh, that, that that beat Stefano Tsitsipas, Alexander Zverev, some very, very good clay court players. So that's why it, it's you just got to tip your cap to Tiago Sebastian to move on. I'm not sure what happens next match, but yeah. we'll see. Well, who steps up now? Like, Because we can talk about center in that direct section. It opens the door for maybe some semifinalists and quarterfinalists that could you know, have a pitfall of a big match test in Medvedev. Pam, who do you think steps up in the absence of Medvedev going forward? I've always thought that if it wasn't going to be Medvedev, it was going to be Holger Runa. I think he still has an opportunity here to, especially now with Medvedev out of the gate. I mean, he has a really great draw opportunity here to, it's just, y'all mentioned it numerous times, his conditioning. Is he going to be able to handle a best of five? I think the answer is yes. And I think um, his, he has more variety in his game than Sinner does. And I do love Sinner as a player and I want to see him break out. I just don't think that this is going to be the tournament for him. If he goes up against Runa, I'm going to go with Runa every time. Yeah. Well, Zico, for to Pamela's point, I mean, that would be a matchup that Runa has the advantage in or has had the advantage in. But to get to the quarter that he was in that section, he was 0-6 career-wise against Medvedev. The opportunities there. He's got the Carrot fans with him, too, so we know he's riding high there. So how do you think about Sinner, who's been to the quarterfinal before, at least getting to that point? Is that a smarter bet? Yeah, so I'm still down on Sinner and Runa. I just don't think that the either of them, like, I don't trust them physically in a best of five. So I had Casper Ruud to go to the final, or, you know, to win his quarter, and I had him to win the tournament. So I still think he has a really good shot there. And then I think that now with, you know, Medvedev out, like, you could look at a guy like Zverev making a run. That's the person who he's been running into trouble with. He's still, like, 25 to 1 to get out of that quarter. I just think that there are opportunities for other players. And I think, you know, Kenny will talk on it now, but Karatsev, has, has a shot. Uh, yeah, I, I looked at, you know, more long, you know, longer plays, bigger uh, payouts with like taking flyers rather than going with the chalk. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, Kenny, you can you can kind of comment on this too because it's teeing up for you that there's opportunity, and we know you like a good long shot. And well, I'm interested to see tomorrow because tomorrow's match is uh, there's a couple matches tomorrow that are really going to set the future market going forward. But got to be in a good position for where your betting strategy is at. Yeah, I mean, I feel great having Karatsev at plus five thousand here, and yes, he's around to pick him. The line's been moving like crazy. Uh, Karatsev opened up as I believe even money, and then. Or, or the, the line, initially it was a pick and then the line went to Francis. Francis was minus 120 when I checked yesterday. Now Karat says minus 115 to win this match. Um, you mentioned it. This is going to dictate, I think, uh, how the, the futures market looks. Because I think with a pick you're never going to – and Karat was only minus 150, close minus 140 against Poprin. So with those odds, you're never going to see sports books adjust. Compl- like, you know, the, the, it could be either one of these guys winning these matches. So, you know, Karat not going to be up there at plus 1,000, you know, uh, to win this draw. With that said, yes, I like him to win this match tomorrow. The same reasons as I didn't like Francis against Philip Krajnovic. It just turned out that Philip Krajnovic still stinks. Um, but, uh, you know, there's arguably not a hotter player on clay right now than Aslan Karatsev, who had that incredible Madrid run. He lost to Jan Leonard Struff uh, in that tough three-setter in the semifinals of Madrid. Then he comes out, just rips through qualifying. Played some decent competition. Marino de Alvaron's a sneaky, good clay court player. And, and Pierre Ugarber who had uh, the first set on his racket uh, in front of a good crowd, took those all in straight sets and looked really good against Lexi Popperin. And again, we talk about on clay, what's the return to serve? Aslan Kratsev, there is no one that gets more into a more aggressive position when he is on his game than Aslan Kratsev off the return. So I really like this match. I think Tiafo is going to come in. I think he's going to come in feeling good about where he is. Second round, 3-0 win over Kranovich. I think he's going to get absolutely stunned by a guy just who's crushing the ball. And we know that Francis gets frustrated a lot of times when his opponents just continue to paint lines because he's not used to he's used to bullying guys on the court i think he might get bullied but anyway just draw talk specifically or broadly here what we talked about i still think in that top quarter or the third quarter i still think fritz sarundalo that third round match i think the winner of that match has a very very good chance to win that quarter i would take them to win that quarter so that's why i feel decent still about the fritz future i think i took fritz and sarundalo both around 10 to 1 to win this quarter and at center, I'm still down on in this fourth quarter because Zico mentioned it. Like, I, I, I watched him at the U.S. Open. I don't know how much you guys watched him, but he was – it was taking a physical toll on him, some of those five-set matches. And we see it all the time in Grand yeah. Slams with Yannick Sinner. He never makes it easy. Never makes it easy. He always will fail to serve out a match. He'll drop a set. He'll lose his focus. Like, he nev- it's not going to be easy for him to come out of this quarter. I think physically it's going to dr- be draining. And if Karatza wins that match – I make him the favorite, to me anyway, to win this quarter because wow. he's beaten Yannick Sinner before. He bageled him on clay in a set before Sinner took a m- mysterious medical timeout and won that match in three. Um, so the head-to-head there looks good. And, I mean, maybe it's born a tour. Who knows? But, I mean, I, I do think that that's anyone's quarter, and I think that's the most interesting one. But I, I do, the, as the days go on, I do feel better about Zico's pick on Rude to win the quarter, Rude to win, because, frankly, there aren't yes, that many players looking that good. Taylor wow. Fritz, though. Arguably the best, most dominant first round win of anybody. It was pretty dominant. Uh, I want to point out before we get to some picks going forward uh, in the second round here, uh, as we record this, Djokovic is in a tight first set. It was a little smooth sailing, and then it's back on serve. Pam, I know you're watching that at the corner of your eye, and uh, I don't know if there's any truth to the rumors that his heart's a little wounded after some of the things you said about him last week. You know what? Djokovic is going to be just fine, but he is struggling right now against uh, Martin Fuksovic, but it's not in, like it's not uncommon to see that from Novak. He always comes out 
a little sluggish, a little he's I've always put it as this for players like Novak, for players like Nadal, um, better they come out giving a level one. They really want to just like how much energy they can they retain in a best of five. All right, can I get it done? Okay, no, this guy's playing a little well. I'm gonna move it up to level two. All right, this guy's really playing well. Let me give him all I got. I'll just bring out the weapons, level four. Here we go. And then what happens? He ends up winning in six, six, one, six, two, in the third and the fourth set. Like he just gets it done. That's what Djokovic likes to do. He takes things slow. Um, and he's played with Martin Fuksovic plenty of times before, so it's not like this is a, a brand new territory for him. He looks fine. I'm not really seeing any injuries, but at the same token, he did play uh, like an unranked player. American with like no Grand Slam experience, and now we're starting to see that he's playing somebody who is a viable opponent, and it's taking him a little bit to warm up. Um, mm-hmm. so playing well, here on out. That's all you got to do is just wait to see what happens as his matches get more tough. Yeah, he was well, thinking that guy was the pride who, of New York yeah. City, by the way, Alexander Kovacevic. Kovacevic, yeah. who is idolizing, he's part is part Serbian and idolizes Novak Djokovic too. So this is, we're, we're getting to uh, layers to this uh, props to him and props to Joker for keeping it going. We'll see. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of nineties inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG one empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG one at newbalance.com. All right. Tennis bets rolls along with some picks for round two. Here we go, and I'm going to start with you, Zico, because there's going to be some overlap. There's going to be some tension, drama, maybe some some harsh words said, but we're we're all going to try to be in this together. Uh, Zico, we'll start with you. Uh, Echeverry, who Kenny's still also in the tournament, Echeverry after his uh, retirement victory over Jack Draper. Zico, you like him at plus odds against Demonauer, who is in that section of opportunity. Yeah, I just think Echeverry has been like one of the breakout players of the clay court season. I think he has the forehands you need to like hit winners through these slow courts. And Damon Orr has been like, the clay is like the one surface he can't play on. It's the one surface he has a losing record on. And I just was really surprised to see that Echeverry was getting plus money odds here. And yeah, I'm jumping all over it. Let's, uh, no, look, I agree with you. I don't think Damon has shown enough to be in this position to where the line reflects that. And Echeverry has done good on the clay. I like that one. Let's get some unity here because I'm going to put this up with Kenny's name on it. But Zico, you're on board as well. Karatsev on the money line. Minus 114 is what the updated odds look like over Tiafo. Uh, it's uh, a, a pretty close line that Kenny, you mentioned, was moving back and forth. But this is a big test. He wins this one. Momentum gets to go. And uh, Tiafo had a pretty impressive round one win too. So I expect a tight one in this one. Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted Zico to Zico to 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 in co-sign the Deucey Dime. Uh, but what I what I will say is is you know he it was impressive, but he the level that Philip Krenovitz brought, and frankly, it it was it was close in spots. It, the level was just bad, you know. And I don't think there is a again. I will say it again. I don't think there is a hotter clay quarter right now in the world or there's there's very few hotter clay quarters than Aslan Karatsev. You want to talk about a guy coming in with momentum. You saw what happened in Australia when he came through qualifying. You saw what happened in Madrid when he came through qualifying, building that momentum. You said if he beats Tiafo, the momentum starts to build. I have bad news for you, Mitch. The momentum is already built. He's won four straight matches uh, at the French Open when you count qualifying. And Francis has just not played a lot of tennis 
recently. Seven and three on clay this year, but that a lot of that was Houston, which isn't real clay. It's not the same clay as we're playing on here in Europe. And since we've gotten to Europe, he is three and three on clay yeah. with that win over Kranovich, with the win over Daniel Altmaier, which was like testy. You remember that in Rome? That that match almost he almost lost that match, and then he beat our good friend etch a sketch so i don't know if he is really ready for the level that aslan's gonna bring and again you just look at the guys that he's beat he smoked medvedev in madrid he smoked the menor van de zanschulp laszlo Gera. these are all names that we know we did mention that that you know alex does struggle sometimes on clay but the the resume is very impressive he beat jan leonard stroof in qualifying famously as well 14 yeah. and 4 on clay and it just reminds me again I won't, i'll shut up don't worry. But it reminds me again of when this guy first came into our lives in Australia. The way that he was was able to to reach his level was that he the guy just kept playing matches. Didn't matter who he was playing. He went in the East Coast Pro Series during the pandemic was just grinding out like 40, 50 matches in a month. It just has very similar vibes to me. He just continues to win. He's playing clean tennis. And once again, we know when this guy's not making a lot of unforced errors, he has he hits a huge ball. He's one of the hardest players to play in the world, and he's beaten some of the best. He's beaten Djokovic and Medvedev. So he could beat Francis Tiafo, a guy that's hardly played this spring. Absolutely. Be very careful. Be very careful going against Big Foe in this spot. But uh, that's where that's where I, I, I get the logic. I do, and I think depending on what happens round two, that's when the tournament really starts going. Uh, Pam, this is where we're going to start to get the tension section because we got some disagreement on the panel over this pick. Oh, okay. We're going, I'm going to say it correctly. Veiled. Um, yes. No, I love him in this spot. I actually think he wins in straight sets. I'm confident. I don't at all believe that this is a fluke of a situation, his win over Medvedev. He played brilliant tennis, and I think the conditions suit his game. But he has a massively powerful forehand. And as a qualifier, he's playing some really great, like, top top 50 level play i would say uh, but on the challenger tour if you look at what he's done straight set wins he's rarely gone to three sets in his post match he said that i use my forehand against medvedev and it worked and that's exactly it but i also talked about how it's not just his forehand he came into the net quite often and what does that do it shortens the points and get he is a very great player uh, argentinian but he hasn't defeated a power player he had a straight set loss to Ilya Ivashka. He was bageled against Alejandro Davidovic Vakina. He had a loss against Denis Shapovalov, who we know is struggling mightily this year. Those are all power hitters. And this is exactly what um, Veeld is. He's a power play hitter, and he has the ability to shorten the points to preserve some of his energy. So I think he can win in straight sets for sure, at worst in four. But I like the under on 36, but I love minus five and a half games because it's essentially the same thing. Well... Kenny, do you want to just jump in here? And so confident in this. <laughs> well, no, look, you're never so confident backing Guido Pella, right? But this guy has played over almost 700 clay court matches in his life uh, at a professional level. He's still 33 years it. old, been the number 20 in the world. Uh, that's that's a fact, 396 and 223. Uh, so over 600 matches. And that's, you know, hey, look, I mean, the bottom line is I it, it's, it's a situation where, and by the way, Quentin Hollis, very big power player, killed the ball in that five-set match. That was a dramatic and impressive win, I thought, for Pella. He, he held it together. And it, look, the game has never been the problem for Guido. It's always been the mentally had to work with that sports psychologist. He went through some dark times over the last four years, um, and it's nice to see him back. But I, I, I think the leftiness here is going to be an issue for Sabath Wild. Again, taking the ball away from his forehand. I also think, just in general, like – 
Guidofel played an unbelievable match against Quentin Alice. Hostile environment, crowd was going crazy. I thought Alice played an unbelievable match. He was down two sets to one, um, dug so deep, returned the ball very well. And this is also a classic spot. You want to fade. A lot of times you want to fade a guy coming off a big win like this. Uh, this is a big letdown spot for Sabath Wild after stepping onto Chatrier, beating the number two player in the world. Uh, I, you know, he, there's a chance he overlooks Guido Pella here. And I, I just, it's a situation where sometimes like we don't have time to watch all these matches and I, I'm sure the odds makers, you know, like I, I made a joke about that today when I wrote an article about the Sebastian Offner, Sebastian quarter match and, uh, you know, jokes on me because I was wrong, but I was like, look, clearly someone didn't watch that uh, quarter match because I think it looked really good. And Guido Pella played an unbelievable match and fifth set deciding breaker, Pressure points, just played all the pressure points better. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure points here, and I think he could easily win this match. Um, mm -hmm. So I think getting five and a half games with him is a, a great deal. Well, we got the tension here that I was looking for, so we'll see. <laughs> and it was over this match. Mitch which brings us all together to fight is what he does. Yeah, just like, you know, sibling rivalry. Uh, Zico, well, then made the tiebreaker, Zico. What it, who's the winner? Who's right here? Yeah, I'm a firm believer in letdown spots, so I do think uh. that's going to go. Yeah, and then... I, mean, I, I handicap multiple sports and like it just happens across all of them and it's like yep. it's one situation that seems to always get people and i also mm -hmm. think that just off the court i think that there's something to like see both violence having to answer questions for about you know off-court drama right after the biggest win of his career like that's got to be mm -hmm. mentally draining in a way that we can't even imagine so do we uh that that's that's a very good point it happens a lot we have a we have a fan comment i want to get thoughts on this line um, Offner money line over Fabio Offner who beats Corda. We're talking about not watching every match as we're going to the outer courts for this one. But does anybody on the panel have a read on this one? Fabio still going. Here, here's what I will say. I think Zico wants to talk, so I'll let him talk. But what I, the only thing I'll say is because I did a lot, I, I handicapped the Corda Offner match for today. And I mm -hmm. went back. Can you get, can you tell me how many players in the top hundred Sebastian Offner has played in the last year? I would, guess be, I would guess it'd be on one hand, but it was one. He played yeah. one top 100 player. I believe it was Pedro Cashin. That was it. And so the guy, not only does he not have top 100 wins, he doesn't have, he doesn't even play top 100 competition. Um, and again, we talked about the step up, right? Going to Roland Garros and playing real players. Now, look, I, you know, I didn't watch the match this morning, so I don't have a very firm read. But what I will say is I understand making Fabio a big favorite. I also understand the inclination to fade him like completely. Like I'm, I haven't yep. been like, this is the big Fabio Swan song this season. I think he's the draw is broken right for him, but this could be another example of the draw breaking right for him. Like I, I think he's just much more experienced than Offner, great and, best of five player. Yeah. And again, Offner just hasn't stepped to very good competition this year. Well, Pam Offner has been working with Mr. Team, Team's father as well, which I found out five seconds ago on my research. So. <laughs> I would be interested in probably taking the over. I think um, Fonini is kind of getting some false love here because of his win over Felix Auger, but it was Felix has had a terrible season. Mm -hmm. um, so, that, so that wasn't surprising, first off. That was one of my picks. But it was also a situation where now he's getting too much credit for a loss, for a win that he should have had to, to begin with. Offner is playing some great tennis. He's a great server right now, and he's played mm -hmm. coming into this with some really solid form. So I would be... I would not be surprised if we see Fonini revert back to his typical play where um, he's a mixed bag of everything, of which I would be not surprised and shocked that this goes a full five. Would you guys say that 
Sorry, Mitch. Would you guys say that minus 170 to minus 200 is the danger zone in betting tennis? It feels like Fabia is in the no. danger zone right here. It's like the odds makers are confident enough, but they're like, eh, I don't you know. You don't want Fabio as a favorite. You don't, but you love no. him as a, as a live dog. Uh, let's let's keep it moving with this one. Pam's pick, but we're opening it up to the, para, to the panel. Jari, Tommy, Paul, another interesting one. Jari, not fooling any odds makers with how he's done recently on clay. Mm-hmm. Tommy, Paul, an up and down clay season. Pam, why, why did you go Jari here? We'll start with that and kind of open it up. I'm not going to pay a minus 140 for the juice just because that's a lot for me for a player that has yet to prove himself entirely. I'm like, I'm right there with him, but still. So I'm taking the minus one and a half games because I don't know how many sets this could be. But he has five straight wins over Rude, Zverev, Dimitrov. And of those in his, in those five wins, he has only dropped one set. He beat George in Monte Carlo. He won a title this year in Chile. It's his serving is so incredible. And what's kind of going under the radar is he's 10 and three in tiebreakers this year. And that tiebreakers typically go to the best servers. And two of those losses were to Ben Shelton back in January at the Australian Open. Um, but even then, he he even beat Carlos Alcaraz in a tiebreaker in Rio. I think he's just like the stronger opponent right now. The conditions are favoring his heavy ball that he has on his serve. And Tommy Ball, great player. Um, I just don't think this is a surface for him. It's weird because he's had success on clay, Paul, but it has been uneven at the professional level. And I guess if we're saying best of five is the ultimate test of consistency, you go with the more consistent players. So I get it, but I'm with yeah, you. Pam. I, do think the ju- I think the juice is a little high in this one. Yeah. So that's this- why I'm opting for the minus one and a half games. Um, if for whatever reason there is a tie break, I'm going to trust Jari in that situation, but I think minus one and one minus one and a half games is fair. And you're getting the typical minus minus one ten price and not paying minus one forty or worse. Mm-hmm. Is this the is this where we press the button? The uh, Tommy Paul is a boys singles winner at Roland Garros. Do we hit the button now? Do we say that? Do we, I feel like every year we got to say it. Every year someone's got to say it. Ego won Junior Wimbledon, so uh, as if as out. if as if we've all forgotten that Tommy Paul won the Junior Boys uh, title, its singles title at Roland Garros. Let's just remind everybody he won it. Uh, so no, I this is one of those spots where and I, I I'm not. I woke up this morning hoping that. When I woke up, I would know who was going to win this match because I, I, I'm, I'm going to be writing about it tonight. Um, and I still didn't know. And here's, here's what I'll say about Tommy Paul. And I, I think I can craft an argument for Tommy Paul winning this match. First of all, he's 2-0 head-to-head over Nico Jari. One of those was in 2014. It was like the futures. It doesn't really count, right? But um, he's going to have a little confidence coming into this match. And one thing I like to know about Tommy Paul is where his head is at, okay? He, he went to a challenger, right, in France before this. He beat... Uh, Blan- uh, uh, Blancano, which who's a good, decent, decent player, not really nearly as good as Tommy Paul. Jury Rodinoff, who made the main draw here, uh, a, a big server. David Goffin, and he lost to uh, Andy Murray in a three-set match. And then after that, he lost to Christian Garin, tough three-set match in Rome. Garin was balling. He played really well this season. I was really sad that he had to withdraw from Roland Garros. Beat Gregoire Barrer in Lyon, a guy who's been playing pretty, pretty well. And then he lost to Nakashima. Now, that's a bad loss, but also, like, Week before a slam, do we really put a ton of stock into that one? I don't know. I think entering the challenger, right, playing some pretty good matches with Murray and Green and defeat, I think Tommy's head is in a very good place right now. I think he going to the challenger level for him, grinding out a week there, tells me that he he's trying to put in some more work. He knows his game is not where it needs to be. So I could certainly make a case here, despite how good Jari has been, that Tommy could just steal this match. I also would say 
how Ange Jabeur won the French Open Junior. There we go. I mean, yeah. how many how many people would you say right now are, are all over Tommy Paul? I would say it's got to be close to zero. That's that was my rationale with a lot of my rationale with Shapovalov today. I thought he played yeah. well in round one, and no one in the world thought he was good. And the, the line was like, well, everyone's betting on Zepieri. Why is the line the way it is? Or maybe it wasn't. I don't even know who we played to be honest. I forgot. But uh, the bottom line here, I was on the wrong Arnaldi, Arnaldi. <laughs> the bottom line here is, yeah, wrong, wrong young Italian. The, the bottom line here is, uh, I, I think Nico Jari. You know, if you want to factor in all those amazing wins he had last week, he really should be like a minus 160 favorite here. So I, I think the line, is the, the skepticism early on, the open, I think, was a pick em, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that tells you all you need to know. I think this is a very sketchy line, okay. and I think I'm going to take Tommy Paul. All right. Well, but I, 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 went into the, I went into the day thinking Nico Jari all day. But now <laughs> I, I'm convincing myself of Tommy Paul. Yeah, I saw it. He just wants to be opposite of me on purpose. <laughs> no, no, I'm – I, here's the thing. I think like I, I think the more I think about it, this the run is ha- is gonna end soon for him. Like he he's been playing unbelievable. Pam, I I watched and him he showed, and he has shown no signs. You can talk about what I look for also is like momentum. And so he came off of a win, and your immediate reaction is he just won a tournament. How is he gonna come in mm-hmm. into his first match of a major? He won in straight sets, all fine and dandy. It didn't phase him at all. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, he, serving he, he still, looked serving was so great. He, um, he did face a very bad opponent. Yeah, we we've seen we've seen this happen before with how players process big wins, but also big losses, and if their ability is to just keep riding the wave or move on. In the women's side, with Peyton Stearns today after a tough loss last week to Sloan, she beats Ostapenko. So uh, I, I also a weird a weird and shout out to to the hat here but a weird thing also is Tommy does have a lot of experience he practices with Riley obviously all the time he has a lot of experience returning big servers especially here in the United States all the players like a lot of players have huge huge first serves um his return is is pretty good so that's yeah. one thing i'm interested to see here is i i feel like he's going to be able to get a lot more serves back in play against Shari than than Hugo Delian yeah. was going to be able to who's, who's been a terrible run of form that I think this is going to be. I mean, you want to talk about an over? This could be an over match. I think it's going to be very, very interesting say, match. If you're thinking, if you're as high conviction on Paul, then this is more likely like an overplay. Yeah, no, I, I think I think he's going to show up a lot, a lot stronger than a lot of people expect. But to Pam, to 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 calm your fears that we're not friends, I absolutely <laughs> was all over Nico Jari and Sheely, and you know everyone was because we're at altitude. But I mean, the guy. Yeah. Looked unbelievable against Carlos Alcaraz. He was making Carlos Alcaraz, you know, scratch his head. Um, you know, and he took the racket out of his hands. And he beat Kasparud Alexander. I mean, the murderer's row last week that he beat. So no one's saying he's not playing good tennis. I just think, like I said, eventually you play enough, and you're going to lose. And he's not going to win every match. So this could be an upset. It's a nice positive outlook. Uh, Zico, we can uh, – I, I want to just get your thoughts on a, on a women's line that stood out to me. Have a read on this one. I'm looking at it from the perspective of we got a French Open finalist that just finds a way to win, beat Samsonova recently. Potapova has been playing well, but any take on this round two line for tomorrow? Man, I, I wish I had one for you, but I, no. I don't. I wish. I told you, I think I, I have like no read on tomorrow's women's matches, which is you know strange, but I was looking and I couldn't find anything I liked. Just in it for the, uh, just in it for your Sabalenka, what is it, 1400? Sabal, yeah, Sabalenka, Rivakina, and uh, hopefully Mukova gets the quarter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think this has been good. Uh, we'll go around the room and see if we have anything else we missed. Uh, Pam, what else is looking, you know, promising on your plate as Djokovic 
appears to be handling business so far in this tie break. Of course he's handling business. Do you ever have a doubt that he's going to lose in a tie break? I trust him. Um, as far as tomorrow's matches, no, I'm not really – those are the only two that I mentioned are the ones that I'm most interested in. But for Friday, though, I am really interested. I think Hatchinoff, he's always one of those players that I'm like, okay – you should be doing well. You are doing well. And it's not until he faces like the top You're 10 the players, fina- top five players. The Thanasi train? Well, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like catching off. I'm just interested. No. I get I get interested in him every major, every big time tournament of like, all right, he's, he should be making it to the quarters. Can he do better than that? And he's just one of those players where I want to see him do well. And I'm interested. I'm, I'm seeing progression in his game. I'm seeing progression in his confidence. I'm seeing progression in his consistency. So I just like to see how much, how deep he can actually go. Yeah. He just seems to always fight his way deeper into draws. And I don't know why enough people don't talk about him. It's not flashy or whatever. Kenny. I mean, the guy is very handsome. I don't understand who's, who's, who who still is is yet to see what we have all seen that this guy, this guy deserves it all. So yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's, I knew you were going to say that. So thank you for, uh, he continues, he continues. I mean, when was the last time he had an early exit at a slam? That was this, I mean, I know. When when I don't even I'm asking like I don't even remember. Right. This guy's he's, always. I'm saying he's so consistent. He's always going deep in slams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I this had two tickets on him, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I had tickets twelve to one to win the quarter and one thirty to one to win the tournament. Just hoping to hedge later on, but I, I those odds are ridiculous. They treat it. Yeah. Is that Thanasi Kokonakis has yet another heartbreaker? I think. I think <laughs> I actually might take out a little Hatchinoff three two because. Mm-hmm. Kokonakis, man, bless his soul, but he, he finds a way to lose these matches. He really does. Yeah, only two it's third tough. rounds in his career, and it was RG this year, RG 2015. So it's been a while for him to get back to at least round three of a slam. Uh, Zico, what else stands out? I know you're looking at the future market, especially on the women's side, but what's got you excited for the next few days in Paris? Yeah, I, I think a weird play I'm going to put in if he doesn't withdraw from the tournament at all is Monfils to win the first set and lose the match is a Ooh. parlay that's paying out at like plus 800. So I, I could see it's him, like you know, adrenaline and painkillers. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Just like hoping that he's somehow playing well, like fully expecting to lose, but like the crowd lifts him for a set and then, you know, he limps the rest yeah. of the way and Trumpet, destroys Trumpet, him. It's trombone. They got the whole brass yeah. in there. There was actually drums in the crowd at the uh, Van Ash match, by the way. So it's good to know that all music families are welcome. But that's an interesting one. Kenny. He should have retired after that match, like, for good, by the way. He is getting. Oh, absolutely. He's going to lose. I said, he had no business beating by <laughs> I said that about I said that about Rafa last week, right? I, I, what, that, what is a better way for him to be like, yeah, I just I just came back from 4-0 down against yeah. a, a, a well, hot And I'm done. Player. And now you're gonna, probably going to get yeah. bageled. And that's how yeah. you retire. <laughs> Yeah. My opponent hit the ball directly at me for whatever reason for like two hours. He was dancing. <laughs> he was dancing with the body cramp. It was great. Um, I think the Paris Olympics is keeping these guys invested in the game longer for a year. So they want to play in, if they can't the Olympics at RG. Uh, Kenny, take us home. Still, I'm, I'm still just going to do your, your uh, daily reminder that uh, Taylor Fritz is still uh, 80 plus 8,500 to win this tournament. And he served at 68% against Michael Moe. Doesn't matter who you play. He landed 68% of his serves, and he I think he only lost three points the whole match beyond his first serve. Um, I, look, I mean, if he plays later at night after some rain, it, you know, it's going to be a little slower. The conditions are going to be a little less favorable for him. But I will, again, point you back to his draw. It is anybody's game here in this quarter, and I do think that Taylor Fritz, the Sarundalo match, going to be his toughest match. I, I could absolutely see Taylor losing to Francisco Sarundalo. 
But again, I will say, if he wins that match, I feel good about him against Hogaruna, who's then going to be in the fourth round where he started to show signs of fatigue last year. And then after that, maybe a Kasparud and another player who he's seen plenty of times who he should have a lot of confidence that he could beat. And I'm just saying, you know, now that Medvedev's out of the fourth quarter, like if, if he could just get by the couple of tough opponents, but again, opponents that he could beat, he could easily make the final. And once again, if you got plus 8,500 right into the final, you hedge, you make money, you go take, get a pina colada and watch the final at yeah. uh, bottomless brunch, whatever you want to do. Yeah. And you have a great day. And I, I just think this is, this is a long price and this guy's playing way too well. And we've seen way too many players go out now that had a chance to maybe, you know, throw, throw their hat in the ring here. Fritz mm -hmm. and Karatsev, I'm going to, I'm going to keep holding mm -hmm. that stock, baby. We're not going to sell yet. This is going to be great when one of them goes down and you just, God, you think you talked about it enough. It'll be all in on whichever one is still going. So but you know, no, it'll, you it'll probably be, all... go you ahead. Have Karatsev, my guy's going to be George. That's who I'm going to root Ooh. for. I was literally about to say, Borna. yeah, once they lose, I'm going to be on the Borna Chorich train, fam. So I think we do think like, after all, I do think that that is, uh, that's the other guy I'm looking at here. Not mm -hmm. one of those guys. That's, that's a great long shot because he hits the ball very, very hard as well. And he's got a good draw. Um, I could absolutely, no reason why he shouldn't make the fourth quarter. round, right? Yep. Yeah. Now that I, now I would expect him to actually make the quarters. Yeah, I don't uh, think I don't think law enforcement's agreeing with Kenny's take over in New York. So Sarundolo is the best player in the world. You don't want to. They draw the line. They're just like. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I think that that quarter. Uh, I mean, Chorich is a, a shoe in for the quarters, and then what is he? He's going to have yep. probably Karatsev, or he's going to have Karatsev or Sinner probably. I would I would expect. Mm -hmm. So that could happen. All right, gang. This has been a blast. Thanks to Zach Cohen. Thanks to Kenny Ducey. Thanks to Pamela Maldonado. You can find Tennis Bets also on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, all your platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music. Uh, a blast. We'll be back uh, again Wednesday, if not sooner, gang. This was fun. Uh, good luck to everyone, even in the bets against yourself. Just hope you guys have fun more than anything. Just great, great opportunities. But uh, thanks again to everybody out there for watching or listening to Tennis Bets. And we'll see you soon.